Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. This morning we're looking at Luke chapter 7, and specifically at verses 29 through 35. I'm going to back up and start with verse 28 because that's where we left off last Sunday, and this a thing that we're looking at this morning is a continuance of that very same event. Uh, and so we'll connect the two together by looking at verse 28 first. Luke chapter 7, verse 28, Jesus is speaking. He says, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John, speaking of John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Verse 29, when all the people heard this and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. Verse 31, Jesus begins to speak again. He says, to what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children, sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. Quote, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge for you and you did not weep, end quote. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors, and sinners. And then this very curious statement, yet wisdom is justified by all her children. You may recall from last Sunday how that Jesus unleashed a flurry of divine power in response to a question that was asked by John the Baptist, a question that was asked because John was suffering from doubt. And the question that he sent his disciples to ask Jesus was this, are you the one or do we wait for another? After dispatching John's disciples to report what they had seen and heard, Jesus proceeded to speak to the crowd about the significance of the person and ministry of John the Baptist. And that's where we concluded there in verse 28. As we come to verses 29 and 30, we find there Luke's commentary on what happened among the crowd who witnessed this interaction between Jesus and the disciples of John. And here's what I want you to catch. Uh, Luke, Luke, Luke in his commentary tells us that the words and works of Jesus caused the crowd to be divided. Jesus caused division. And it seems that the division that took place there with the crowd that was surrounded uh, was cut between those who knew they were sinners and needed some form of salvation and and those who were self-righteous, believing that they were as good as as they were. And that leads me to truth point number one this morning, which tells us this, that Jesus and the gospel always bring a line of division. Let us not overlook that reality. Jesus and the gospel does not unite the masses. Jesus and the gospel separates the masses. They always bring 
division. And the thing that I want you to make note of is that there is no middle ground. You are on one side or you are on the other, and there is no way to get around that reality. You are either on the side of those who open their hearts in faith to Jesus and his saving work, or you are on the side of those who reject him and decide to chart your own way. Now, unless you think that's something I just made up, let me assure you that it's not. Let me take you to the very words of Jesus recorded in Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus makes it very clear that that's exactly what his ministry would do. Take a look with me. Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 34, Jesus says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Those are some, those are some tough words. They're definitely some tough words. And as I read that statement, which I've read it before, I, I, I wanted to just stand up at my desk and, and shout out, Hold the phone! I mean, I see what's being said here, but, but isn't Jesus known as the Prince of Peace? Wasn't that his job, was to bring peace? And the truth of the matter is, is that it is his job to bring peace, and he does bring peace. Jesus brings peace to the soul that stands condemned before God because of sin. So anyone who has come to him, has come to his cross, who has repented of their sin and trusts solely in the work that he has provided, their inner being comes to a place of peace because they know they stand before God now as his son or daughter. There is now no condemnation. That is peace. But on that same idea, that very thing brings turmoil among human relationships. You see, as people choose God's grace through Jesus, it is inevitable that choosing Jesus will pit you against those who reject Jesus. You say, how so? Well, those who choose Jesus, their loyalty, their commitment, the one they embrace is him. They, 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 they're sold out for him and his kingdom while those who reject Jesus remain loyal to self and self-interests. And there's just no way about it. If you're moving with Jesus no matter what and those who reject him are moving in a different direction and it may be your father and it may be your mother and it may be your brother, it may be your sister, your son or your daughter or your grandchild, there's going to be friction because you're not seeing life through the same lens. And there will be turmoil. There will be division. The peace that Jesus brings is the peace between us and God not necessarily a peace between us and our fellow man. 
And the reason is because of where the loyalty lies. So the crowd was divided that day. There were those there who had opened their hearts to the message John had been preaching, and now were opening their hearts to Jesus. And there were those, specifically the religious leaders, who were, in, who were present, who rejected it. We find two groups standing on two different platforms, so to speak. And I ask you this question this morning, where do you stand? With all sincerity, I ask you, where do you stand today as it concerns Jesus the Christ? Have you concluded that God's way, which is Jesus and him alone, is the right way? Or are you determined to find another way? Well, verse 31 takes us away from Luke's commentary and back to the words of Jesus, words that he speaks about the crowd who was gathered. As Jesus observed the the reactions of the crowd, he said this to them, to what then shall I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? There's a lot of strong evidence that would point to the fact that those words were really directed primarily at the religious elite. But it's a fact that anyone who would walk in their shoes, walk after their worldview, these comments that are about to be said would apply to them as well. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? Jesus goes on to answer his own question, saying that the people referred to are like children. That's what I'll compare you to. I'll compare you to children who are playing wedding and funeral in the marketplace. You say, I don't see that in the text, Pastor Mike. I don't see wedding and funeral there. Well, that is the historical context of the words that Jesus used when he said, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge for you and you did not weep. The context of that was playing games like playing wedding or playing funeral. puts me in mind of Joe South's song back in the 60s called Games People Play. Perhaps you've heard that song, have you? Oh, the games people play now, every night and every day. Go ahead and help, help me out. Every day now, never meaning what they say now. Oh, that's why, that's why I don't sing on the team. Never saying what they mean. Oh, the games, yes, we're done. You can sing the rest of that on your own time on the way home. Among the many make-believe games that children would play was to mimic what they saw at weddings, was to mimic what they saw at funerals. And and, and like often happens among children, one group want to play one game, the other group want to play the other game, and neither group is satisfied to join in with the others. And Jesus uses this common imagery to highlight how many of the people, especially the religious elite, uh, reacted to John the Baptist and to Jesus and their ministry. Through uh, illustrative words, we find that John the Baptist came playing the funeral game, so to speak. John's words were very serious and very somber. 
John came wearing the, 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 the worst of clothing. I mean, there was nothing festive about the way uh, John dressed. He was very minimalist, and, 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 and he, he would eat very meager food, and he would not touch a drop of wine because he had that Nazarite vow thing going on, but, but he, he wouldn't go there. He wouldn't even touch that. And, and the message that he continually brought forth to the people was one of coming judgment and the need to turn from sin before it's too late. That was John's ministry. And what was the reaction of the crowd, by and large, and especially the religious elite, as they heard John's preaching and saw his lifestyle? They basically said, that man is out of his mind. That man is out of his mind. Jesus said that they actually accused John the Baptist of being possessed by a demon. That man out there in the wilderness who's always talking about judgment, who's wearing some camel hair something with a leather belt and eating locusts and honey. Oh my goodness, that man is demon possessed. Fred, stay away from him. He's dangerous. And think about it. Who but a crazed, demon-possessed man would live such an unpleasant life and preach such an offensive message? So I'm sure those who said that felt very justified in accusing him of this because no one in their right mind would do that. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.